Hey, it's Tony Messia with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. We talk with Charlotte leaders about important and interesting issues with an eye toward making you smarter, telling you things you don't know, and introducing you to people with insights about trends in Charlotte. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger and subscribe to one of our award-winning newsletters by going to thecharlotteledger.com. Today, we're gonna unpack the future of Charlotte's office market with Brett Gray, the managing principal for Cushman and Wakefield's Charlotte office. There are a lot of questions these days about the future of work, remote work, hybrid work, office layouts, companies' office needs. And as we're having this conversation in August of 2022, the big news recently has been health insurance giant Centene's announcement that it won't be establishing its East Coast headquarters in University City in Charlotte, even though they've almost completed construction on 800,000 square feet of office on 130 acres. And that's just a big site. It's a, it's a big deal. They had talked about 3,200 workers, maybe as many as 6,000, and now that's not going to be happening. So we're going to break that down with Brett. And I've talked with Brett frequently over the last few years for articles I was writing for The Ledger. I found him and the Cushman and Wakefield team to be a tremendous resource in understanding commercial real estate trends. So Brett, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate you having me. What does the Centene news, what does it say about the larger market for office in Charlotte? You know, I, I think we're we're seeing some trends of, of certainly the labor really driving the decision making right now. We've heard from the workforce that a lot are enjoying this flexible environment, this hybrid environment. And so, you know, to me, it's it's a company that's taking a look at what their people are doing and how they're behaving, and at a time where uh, the labor market's tight and, and you've got to retain talent. So, I think it's them looking at their specific business and how they they can function, and deciding that right now they don't need a big office here. And that even around the country and that they can take a look and kind of be efficient with their business, keep their workforce and, you know, work remote and have some sort of touchdown space where they can have meetings and you can be in there. So I don't expect them to exit out of the market altogether from a physical space. They'll continue to keep their jobs here. They're continuing to hire here. So I think it's still a win for Charlotte. You just don't have the shiny building uh, that they're going to occupy day one. Right. I mean, but isn't it part of a larger trend? I mean, aren't you seeing other companies reevaluating their real estate needs? I mean, this is a big one and you're not seeing something on this scale, certainly. I mean, this is a huge amount of property, but are you seeing this play out in among other companies, among other employers in this region? I think we are. We, we certainly have a lot of examples of companies that are taking a look at their footprint. Many had a lease that was expiring or, uh, you know, a lease that they were going to take down, had plans to take down more space and are saying, hey, let's kind of pause and take a look at that. Does that still make sense with the new info and the new way we work today? There's others that had, you know, space already that were they were planned to vacate. So think about the Lowe's that went and built their new tech headquarter. They were always going to vacate that short-term space. So I think there is some of that that was always going to happen. So I think it's a variety. I think what we see is that every company is operating differently. We're seeing examples of companies that are uh, new to market or expanding their space. And we're seeing some that are contracting slightly. So I think it's based on, you know, you got to make the best decision for your business today. Again, in, in two or three years, if we go through some sort of mild recession and, you know, the labor market uh, shifts a little bit, loosens up, and employers, companies are, are back more kind of running the show, so to speak, you know, there might be some differences in that approach. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think companies are doing different things. I think, for example, you know, we've seen Bank of America say, hey, look, we want people back in here. We think that companies operate best when they can have face-to-face -face meetings and not do everything over Zoom. And then you have, on the other hand, you have technology companies that are saying, we don't care if our people work from home for extended periods of time or permanently. 
Uh, I don't know how long permanently lasts, but it sounds like a long time. I mean, but it seems like it doesn't take that many companies taking that second approach to be able to have a big effect on Charlotte's real estate market. Is that accurate? Uh, well, I think there's certain impacts to it, but also keep in mind that we returned, Charlotte did, to pre-COVID employment levels uh, very quickly. We're on the leading edge of that. It's been, you know, the Southeast has been uh, front and center of that story, certainly the Sun Belt even. I think what you're going to see is continued growth and knowledge-based jobs, that if we have some sort of offset in reduction of space per employee, that the growth of the knowledge-based jobs will offset that. You know, where where is that intersection of those kind of two curves? You know, I think remains to be seen, but we're thinking probably in that 2023 to 2024, you know, nationally. So I would expect Charlotte to be in the earlier edge of that. What are you hearing from companies about their needs for office space? Do they want, is the amount of space per worker, is that actually increasing? Are are they saying, look, when our lease comes up, we're going to take a hard look at this and I don't know if we're going to commit to as much as we have now. I mean, like we were talking about, you've heard a lot of different things and companies are very different, but what are you hearing? What sort of things are you hearing? Uh, What's the word on the street? Well, I think everyone's looking for a lot of disruption during COVID about how we design space. And there's definitely some more we versus me space, meaning more meeting rooms, collaboration areas, things of that nature. Folks, if they just need to go, you know, heads down and focus on work, they're probably, you know, able to do that at home. But that me, we space with the more we is, is important. So I think you're seeing some changes that I think you're seeing less kind of private seats per employee. So again, you're seeing more, you know, maybe that's 1.3 to 1.5 seats per employee. So you're seeing that kind of go up. So I think you're seeing uh, a small decrease in square footage on average. I don't think it's as major as everyone expected it would be, but it certainly impacts. And then we're seeing, you know, some other companies, like I said, who are growing. Uh, You know, Bank of London is new to market, uh, just recently announced. We've seen some law firms do some small contractions, seeing others that say, hey, we're going to take out more space. So the one thing that's consistent is there's uh, there's not just kind of a one size fits all rule. I think it really is specific to their business. What are some of the metrics that you look at when you're trying to figure out where the market is going and, and what are those metrics showing you? Well, I think we're, we're, we're monitoring certainly square footage. We're trying to monitor, um, you know, we're talking to our clients. We've got tens of thousands of clients that we're talking to constantly, thinking about how they're working, what's changed, what's their upcoming expectation on how they use space. We're monitoring just kind of the difference of where we're seeing the trends going out there. Uh, and then certainly you're seeing, hey, what what, what are we seeing in, in seats per employee? So I think there's kind of a number of things that we look at to, to update our, our estimation of where this is headed. And as we look at the different sub-markets, are there, you know, I know a lot of times the tendency is to want to paint everything with a broad brush and say, well, office is struggling or office is doing great. How is it different between the different sub-markets? I'm guessing, for example, the South End area is a little bit different than, say, the airport area or, you know, University City is different than South Park. What sort of variations are you seeing? Well, we've certainly seen a lot of the leasing velocity uh, be within the urban core. So uptown and south end, and then even going down to kind of the southern wedge in Charlotte, down to, you know, the South Park and Ballantines of the world. But with that, you know, again, all the new construction is happening in those areas, predominantly in the urban core. But you're seeing new construction in, you know, Ballantine, as an example, with Credit Karma, taken down and continue to expand. So, the gap, I think, in kind of reading the headlines and seeing a glut of space all of a sudden, you know, on the market. But then when you dig down deeper, that's new product. And that's where all the absorption is happening. So I think if you really looked at product 2017 or later, 
even more so if you look at product that's 2020, 2021, and 2022, you're going to see a ton of absorption happening in that. So I think it's a very positive story in that you're seeing rates rise. You know, we're passing the $50 mark for the first time uh, in this market. And I think what tenants are saying is, you know, they want the latest space to attract talent. They want to encourage people to come to work, to have that we space and that collaboration and that creativity. They're willing to pay up for it, right? We're seeing rates rise. We're seeing construction costs go up. We're now seeing an increase in terms, right? During COVID, it was one to two year short-term renewals. Now we're seeing that term go longer because you've got to have that tenant improvement allowance package to offset these type construction outfits right now. So I think you're seeing a willingness of people to say, hey, I'll do a seven or 10 year deal. I've seen the uncertainty period where we were kind of doing short-term leases. Some companies maybe even stepped out of the market if they had a lease expiration during COVID. But now you're going to see some folks that either A, step back into the market for the first time, and then you're going to have folks that are just automatically renewing in a typical kind of term. So we think we'll see some favorable uh, leasing velocity happen as a result of that in the next couple of years. And we've talked before about this this flight to quality. I think that you just alluded to that, that yes, if it's brand new state-of-the-art office space, there's a lot of interest in that. But what are the implications of that flight to quality on some of that older office space? Well, there's no doubt that I think the building owners who have not gone very far on their improvements, their capital improvements, are, are going to have some challenging times ahead of them. We're seeing that, you know, we've seen A rates go up so much, tenants not care about it, about that, you know, face rate, so to speak. We've seen the B rents go up and draft off those A rates. But I think now we're starting to say see that people, you know, even if you can get a discount, of, you know, three to five or whatever dollar discount, that they still want the new space. So what is going to force the B owners who are getting more space back uh, or maybe not leasing it because, you know, the, the amount of development Charles has had and you've got options to get a new space, it's going to force owners to kind of take a look and say, hey, should we go invest more money into the building or B, are we just, you know, going to kind of park our money elsewhere and, and you know, find a better investment to, to go get our returns. So you're seeing it. Now, there's been some great examples, I think, of, of buildings that have gone and done the full renovation. And I think time will tell how those do. But I think of a 301 South College that redid a lobby, an old bank building, uh, and has really gone you know, above and beyond to kind of change that image. Uh, and then you've got some other buildings out there that kind of did what I'd call a, a lobby improvement light that didn't go quite far enough. And so uh, it'll be interesting to watch the differences between those two. But it, I think, you know, if there's not going to be a ton of development, you know, which remains to be seen, we've got a lot of uh, development in the pipeline, about 8 million square feet, but what's going to actually be built versus not built. And when that kind of starts slowing down and you don't have the latest, greatest you know, $50 new construction, where are those tenants going to go in the market? And I think some of those um, older buildings that have been renovated to, to the best kind of top notch, they're going to be far more successful. Let's talk about that last little bit, the pipeline. I mean, what is the outlook for construction of new office space in Charlotte? I mean, what's being built now? I mean, how much is coming online that's, that is going to come online and how much is sort of sitting out there? Uh, I mean, just generally in terms of what might be built in the future. So, you know, again, I think when we look, we've got about 1.6 million roughly in under construction, kind of new. And again, there's 6.8 6 million that's proposed. So it's an interesting time, I think, in the market in which you've got space is not going to be delivered until 2024 at the earliest of this new construction. And you've got some existing buildings that have leased up, you know, Vantage leased up very quickly. You've got the line that's out there that is now 
really effectively kind of the only new building with a lot of vacancy that's out there in this urban core. So I think you're going to see them be very successful as really the only option that's available today in new construction to go to. Now, once those 2024 buildings get delivered, what will be interesting, those are already under construction. You think about 110 East and South End, you think about Lincoln Harrison Goldman Sachs new uh, building uptown and Legacy Union. But after that, it'll be interesting to see what, what are the 2025 and beyond construction timelines that are proposed. Will they really go spec or are they going to require a pre-lease? I think we're going to see a lot more, you know, talk about going spec, but I think we'll end up seeing a lot of folks kind of pulling back and requiring some sort of pre-lease uh, with the way that the finance and debt markets are today. Yeah. I mean, it seems as though you have these plans for office all over the place, you know, the, the River District, the Ballantyne Reimagine Project, you know, the, the movie theater in South End, these are all things that are sort of on the books or that have been rezoned that are available to be built. Would you expect some of those to get pushed back or is it just still too early to say? Well, I think it's too early to say, you know, what, what people say and what they do or tend to be two different things. So I would watch their actions and less about what they're saying right now. I would expect some part of this to get pushed back. Now, what is that and which projects will it be? I think remains to be seen. Uh, will the scale be cut back? I mean, there's some projects that maybe are going really big and may cut back on the scale. So I think there's different ways to kind of look at what that end result will be. But I would expect some portion of these to be delayed and not go. I would expect that there could be one or two projects, especially if you see a 110 East and a Lincoln Harris project get very leased up, say, hey, we can support more. So I think a lot of those will be watching kind of what happens over the next 12 months to determine what, what they do. What are some of the bells and whistles that companies are wanting in their offices nowadays? I mean, you know, it used to be the old view is, hey, we have some cubicles for you. You're working at this job and you come to work. And I think that mindset has changed a lot and you're seeing a lot of new innovations in, in what characterizes a modern office setting. What are some of the things that you're seeing? Well, I, I think it's more now than ever. It's, it's trying to get people to work, right? If I'm going to go and leave my home or my apartment and go to work, what am I doing that for? And so some of that's a sense of camaraderie, teamwork, collaboration. You know, for a while it was, we'll have an amenity center, we'll have a training room, uh, we'll have a fitness center. And now you're kind of seeing the next wave. I mean, that's just now a check the box, so to speak, when you're kind of going around uh, and looking at buildings. So I think the next wave will be more entertainment, think pickleball courts, think things like that, that, that attract people to the building. And, you know, again, it's not about just going to work. It's about enjoying yourself after work and kind of doing some of those fun things. So I think you'll see more of that sort of kind of whistles and bells than what we've seen in the past, you know, 10 years. So if you were designing a new office tower, you'd put in how many pickleball courts? Well, you know, I'm sure pickleball courts cost a lot more than we all think they do if they're done right. But again, you know, maybe it's, it's as simple as two courts, right? I don't think it has to be over the top, but I think it's a place to congregate, to have a drink, to have good food, to enjoy yourselves and kind of take that longer. So I think it's the office itself. It's more entertaining. It's more light. It's more natural light. It's more wellness focus, which we've seen, but then it's what else can the building do to kind of draw that energy? That'll be the next step. And could you tell me a little bit about Cushman and Wakefield? What do you all do? Where are you? What do you provide the clients? So Cushman and Wakefield is a global commercial real estate firm. We are all around the world, 70 plus countries. We've got over 55,000 employees. And so um, we're a one-stop shop for our clients, both on the investor and occupier side to service their entire real estate needs. So you know, we're working with big, large outsourcing clients. We're working with big investors. Uh, we provide a number of other services around the workplace, around project management, property management, 
and then certainly all, all factions of life and brokerage. And we even do multifamily management now. So we are the largest of the big commercial real estate firms, the only one who offers that service. Great. All right. Well, thanks. That's a wrap. Brett, thanks for sharing your insights. Thank you so much, Tony. Appreciate you having me. Thanks. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com.